Good morning. Welcome and uh, glad to see you this morning. Um, glad that you joined us on this beautiful Okanagan Sunday. It's every day. It's beautiful, isn't it? And the devil just says, don't come to church. Um, it's just such a nice day. And maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's God. I don't know. Uh, but, but this morning, oh, wow. It was lovely. So wonderful. If you're visiting us this morning, we want to give you a very warm welcome. Uh, Unsinkable, the youth are going out. Follow Luke, who was on the drums, and, um, and he'll be um, leading that group this morning. Thank you, Curtis, for leading us. Uh, Zach is down at, um, at uh, the downtown church, and so he's leading there, and then he's going to be off for a couple of weeks. And so... Um, so uh, we're going to have a few different worship leaders over the next uh, few weeks, which will be exciting. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 16. Uh, if you've been following us along, we've been teaching our way through the book of John. And we have ended here at John chapter 16. And we're going to pick up, if you've got your Bibles, at verse 25. So if, uh, if I just remind you, earlier in chapter 16, we talked about the reality that there is a conflict that is taking place in the world. And yet what Jesus promised to do was send the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to come to give us that ability to cope with the conflict that is going to take place. Of course, Jesus called that the advocate the counsellor would come to each one of us. Periclete would come and would speak to us and reveal himself and the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, of course, is to convict the world of its guilt. The work of the Holy Spirit is to show sin in our lives and in the world. The work of the Holy Spirit is to, to show what true righteousness is. The work of the Holy Spirit works in the world to bring judgment and his presence. And of course, we spoke about that conflict that the world, as they looked towards Jesus, they were going to, of course, send Jesus to the cross. But as they looked towards Jesus, of course, they judged him as unrighteous and they nailed him to the cross. And as he was being nailed to the cross there, they looked upon him as an cursed one, as an unrighteous one, as one who was a failed Messiah, as one who was condemned not only by the Roman authorities, but by the religious authorities, not only by Rome and religion, but also completely condemned condemned by the people and the crowd around who cried out Barabbas, Barabbas. But of course, what human wisdom said was unrighteous. God, in his glory, turned what was seen as unrighteous into the most righteous, glorious act of all history. For Christ died upon that cross as the righteous one of God, so that our unrighteousness could be taken away and we receive his righteousness and we are loved and we are forgiven. And Jesus says, you need to know this because the world has its own way of judging righteousness. The world has its own way of judging what is correct. But actually the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will come and empower you and give you that strength and give you that power. So in the context of this, we're going to continue to look at these verses and we're going to pick up on verse 23. In that day, 
you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. If I'm going to entitle this anything, I'm going to entitle it the joy of our prayer life. Or the joy of understanding the prayer life that we have. Because in the middle of this dialogue, of the uh, discourse that we've been involved in since chapter uh, 15 and talk and 14, 15 and 16, and we're going to move into 17. We've been understanding that Jesus is preparing them for his leaving. We understand that Jesus is saying, I am going, but do not be troubled, for I will return. I will not only return in resurrection power, I will return by the presence of the Holy Spirit into the world. Not only will I return by the presence of the Holy Spirit into this world, but I will also uh, come again one day in the second coming in my glorious presence. And of course, um, chapter 14 is full of all of that, that wonder and that going and that preparation. 15, and then of course goes into the vine about how we are to, to abide in the vine and we are to, um, to bear fruit within our own lives. So what do I want to say first of all? Well, first of all, I want to say, is that Jesus wants us to understand the joy of knowledge. In other words, he is going to reveal to them the knowledge of what is going to take place. A revelation to them is going to take place. But at this point, the disciples still haven't quite got it, that there is a revelation, there is a knowledge that is coming to them. But now, again, we're introduced, and in the other chapters, there were those moments where we're introduced with prayer. There is now the joy of what it is, the joy of understanding the power of prayer within our lives. But the context is that they're completely confused. That they're wondering what's going on. Jesus is speaking, but they're not fully grasping what Jesus is saying. And they're confused. And what Jesus wants to say to them, even though you are confused, all your confusion is going to go away. But actually, it's going to go away in the way that you are not expecting because your confusion, your difficulty, you're feeling discombobulated. You're feeling completely confused. This is all going to disappear. And how is it actually going to disappear? It is going to disappear when I rise from the dead on the third day. It is going to disappear after the resurrection. It is going to disappear because the power of the resurrection has a unique power that it dispels all of our fears, all of our confusion, all of our mess, all of our doubt. Because on the third day, Jesus rose again. You and I can know the power of his resurrected glory. And even this morning, if you're feeling like you are confused, you are lost in life, you don't know the answer where to turn, let me tell you something. When you understand the power of the resurrection, it will completely change your life. It will dispel all of your darkness. It will take away all of your fear. When you understand that on the third day Jesus rose again, that fear... That anxiety, that worry, that battle you're in, that problem you're facing, that difficulty that you can't seem to get over will be dispelled because there is clarity when you understand that on the third day Jesus rose again. There is that. So having said all that, 
He says, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. There's a shift here that happens. and There's an introduction. The shift is, I am now introducing the idea that we pray in the name of Jesus. When you pray in my name. You know how radical this is? They've always prayed to the Father. They've always prayed to Yahweh. If They've always prayed, as it were, to Jehovah. They've always prayed. But right here, we feel the shift. They're saying, you will learn one thing and something's going to change and you will start to pray in my name. What is happening here? Why is he introducing this? Well, I want to remind you that the most powerful name under heaven and earth is the name of Jesus. That when we pray in the name of Jesus, things change. That when we pray in the name of Jesus, situations are altered. That when we pray in the name of Jesus, as one author said, praying in the name of Jesus is like receiving a passport and going with that passport in the name of Jesus into the very chamber, the very glory, the very wonder of God's presence. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you've got that passport and that gives you an all-access pass into the glory, into the presence, into the presence of God. That's why it's so important to abide in Christ. That's why it's so important to be connected to the vine. That's why it's so important to realise that you are a branch, he teaches earlier, because you now have received that entry into the holy of holies, into the glory of glories, into God's holy chamber. You and I can go with the passport that we are holding. I love passports. (laughs) I've got a passport now. It's called a Canadian passport. And I can't leave Canada without traveling with that Canadian passport. I have an English, a British one as well. But... You know, who needs a you know, who needs a British passport when you've got a Canadian passport? And when I went on my walk across the United Kingdom, I don't know if you know I went on a walk. Uh, but when I was on that, people say, Where are you from? And I'd say, I'm from from Canada. And then I'd say, I'm a Canadian. Oh, I love saying that. I loved it. I loved it. It gave like, oh yeah, of course I don't sound like a Canadian. So they'd look at me, mm, no, he's not really a Canadian, is he? He's not really, mm. yeah, I'm a Canadian. I'm a Canadian with an English accent. Uh, but, but uh, you know, pull out my passport. Oh, my Canadian passport. I'm now a citizen of Canada and it gives me an just walking through immigration in Canada, just go through, scan it, take my photograph. So easy after two hours. So easy. <laughs> go through. It gives me access to beautiful British Columbia. It gives me access because I'm now a citizen of Canada. And Christ is saying, you've got access to the Father. You can go to places you've never been before. You can identify with God like you've never identified with him before. Your life is different. Why is it different? Because now you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. So he says, revolutionary, outrageous, outrageous. In that day, 
You will no longer ask me in anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Until now, you haven't asked in and through my name, but now your joy is complete. There is a joy in praying in the power of the name of Jesus. There is a magnificence about that that I cannot escape. That when we pray in and through the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, sick bodies are healed. In the name of Jesus, people are freed. In the name of Jesus, salvation comes. In the name of Jesus, situations change. In the name of Jesus, you and I see breakthrough in those situations that we are contending and praying and believing and who this morning is not contending that God will somehow do something mighty in that situation you are facing, right? But we have to contend and pray in the name of Jesus and your joy will be complete. There is an immense joy that, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. John's gospel, as I've pointed out again and again, is full of confusions. And this is a motif that John uses to explain things that he explains that, that these things, but Jesus is speaking in parables and in pictures and in wonders. And, and, and they don't quite understand it. They're not quite getting it. They're kind of, what are you trying to say, Jesus? I'm a bit confused. You're teaching in such a way. And throughout um, John's gospel, Jesus teaches and the crowds do not get it and people do not understand it until John's point is through his seven signs that eventually they get it that Jesus is the one that was nailed to the cross and the third day rose again and he was glorified and therefore now you see it and there's this aha moment in John's gospel when you get it, when you see who Jesus Christ really is. They, they're struggling. It's hard. The word figurative is that kind of word that he uses, and the Greek is kind of describes that sense of, 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 of mystery, of wisdom, uh, of, of not quite getting it, but there's something far deeper behind this. I, I'm teaching. And this, though I have been speaking figuratively at times, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, parables, stories, examples that you're not understanding, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you are asking my name, notice that again, and I am not saying that I will ask and the Father on your behalf, but it's the access to the Father. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Love that verse. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I've come from God. John's beautiful way that he just takes 
verses that are key. Particularly does it in the next verse, 28. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Right there, you have the message a message of John, the message right from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God in the beginning. It came from the Father. The message comes and here in verse 28, you have this, this powerful verse that makes it so clear. This is who I am. This is what's taken. I came from the Father and entered the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He came on a mission. He came with a task. He came from the Father. And that mission and that task was to bring us into right relationship with God. He is the passport to the inner chamber of the glory of God. And as Christians, we have the most magnificent, the most wonderful, the most glorious life because we commune with God. God, through Jesus Christ. Now, your prayer life should be very exciting. Not boring, because you are communing with God. You're coming close to God. But I know it can become rote. I know it can become dull. I know it can go that way. And become difficult. Then Jesus' disciples said, I love this passage as we enter in. Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Hooray! It's like they're all cheering, all 12. Woo! It's taken us three chapters, but now we get it. Hooray! Duh. I've got it. You got it. We got it. You're, you're speaking plainly now. We get it. The problem is, now we can see that you know all the things that, are, that you do not even need to have any more to ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from the Father. Yes, now we can see. Now we understand. Now we get it. <laughs> Do you now believe? This statement isn't actually, as in some uh, different common Bible translation was, Jesus is sort of saying, now you believe. He's actually asking a question. Do you really believe now? Have you really got it? Have you? You're pretty excited. You're pretty elevated. Ooh, I've got it. But I'm probably going to give you a D minus on this one. I don't think you've got it. I don't think you've got it. What do you mean? I don't think you fully understand. First of all, you need to understand that you are now in a new era. There's a new era that is coming that is so different from the old era that something is going to take place. And I don't think you've got that. Not only is a new era beginning, an exciting new era, an era that is immense, but there is also clarity will come to you and clarity will happen. 
Not only will clarity come to you and you'll understand things, but then you will experience the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit within your life. Not only is it a new era, a new beginning, something remarkable, you haven't quite got that yet. Not only will clarity really come, that you will start to see things and suddenly you will see change. Not only will the Holy Spirit come and indwell you and be present with you in a new dynamic way, for believers and not only will you receive a new access to all the things of God like you've never received this new access before all of these things are here for you all of these things are going to take place but they're only going to take place after my glorification when I rise when I'm glorified and although you think you've got it now You haven't quite got it yet. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. You think you now see it, You think you've got it sorted, but in a matter of hours, you're going to be gone. You're not seeing it. Because what you're going to have to see is my death. And what you're going to have to see is me being immensely alone in all of the universe and all of creation. And what you will see and eventually understand is that I will carry the darkness of the world upon myself. And you will see it in the Garden of Gethsemane when I will be alone and I will be there with my father and I will struggle and crowds will come and they will arrest me and I will be alone and you will scatter. You will be afraid. You will be worried and you will disappear to your homes but you know what yes you will be scattered but after I have been through what I am going through and I have died and I've rose again I will send the spirit and I will take you from a people that believe that you are strong but I will make you even stronger because I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit and I will give you the strength to live that life But at the moment, you're not going to have that strength. You think you're strong, but you're not. You think it. And that that time is coming, and in fact has come when you'll be scattered, and each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's nothing more dramatic at times when you read the account of the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus stands out and looks into the darkness of the abyss and knows that he is called to take on humanity's pain and suffering and agony and to fall into that abyss and to carry the weight of man's universal sin could only take an eternal God to deal with the power of universal sin. He's going to be alone. Of course, in some ways, that comforts us. 
Because there are times when you and I have been so in darkness, in grief, in pain, in agony, and so alone that we've wondered where our strength is going to come from. But because Jesus has gone through it, as it were, gone through hell, to hell, and back again, has gone through it. We have somebody that understands us. We have somebody that understands our pain. And that time is coming when you'll be scattered, and I'm going to be alone. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Martin Luther said that on this verse alone, he could walk from Rome to Jerusalem on his knees. Because here, Jesus is telling them, I've told you these things in me that you may have peace. In other words, you can live with hostility and problems, but you can still have peace. You can live with opposition and anger, but you can still have tranquility. Why can you have peace in the middle of opposition? Why can you have tranquility in the middle of pain? The reason you can have peace, the reason you can have joy in the middle of your darkness is because Jesus Christ is right there with you and he is the Prince of Peace. He's the one. And then we get this verse. But take heart. The word is courage. It's, 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 it's take courage. I have overcome the world. Take courage. I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That, that phrase about having courage, take heart, is used in other places. It's used directly in Matthew chapter 14, when they're mid of the storm on the boat. And what does Jesus do? Walks out, and they are terrified. And then he said... Take courage. I am with you. This is the point. Disciples, you're going to hit the hardest storm you've ever been through. But take courage. I'll be with you. Use it again in in Mark chapter 6. Take courage. He uses it at the end of of Acts. In Acts 23, when, when, when Paul is facing the Uh, Sanhedrin and he's being prepared to be moved to Rome and all of this is taking place and Jesus appears to him and speaks to him these words and tells him to take courage because he will be with him on that journey. So what I want to remind you all this morning is this. I want to remind you 
that in our confusion of life and when we're wondering which way to turn and what is going on, if you look at the power of the resurrection, then it brings clarity. The resurrection brings that clarity to us. I want to remind you that when you're in the middle of the storm of life, I want to remind you that you have the greatest gift anybody can have. You have the gift of prayer and prayer works and prayer changes things. And we pray in and through the name of Jesus. I want to remind you that you are living today in a new era. We're in a new era. We're in the era of the church. We're in the era of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're in an era where God is with us. And this is an era where we all need to get on fire for God and to love him with all our heart. Not only are we in a new era, but unlike the disciples are asking questions, we have clarity and we see the whole story and we know who Jesus is. We are in a new era. We have new clarity. We have a new experience of the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit to get us through those darkest times. And you and I have new access into the chambers of the glory of God. So take courage. You can get through what you're facing. Take courage. You can get over it. Take courage. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. Be of good cheer. You're in the storm, but Jesus is walking on the water. Take courage. And you can get through anything in your life if you just take courage from Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? If this is really true, and by the way, I believe it is, which is a good job because I'm preaching. It is true, it is true, it is true that you can have the courage to get through and the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? Yeah? Let's stand together. As we finish, just in your mind, bring that pain, bring that problem, bring your life, and just go, okay. And open your heart to receive that verse which is the verse for you today. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take courage, I have overcome the world. Take courage, I have overcome the world. Take courage. You've got the courage. You've got the courage. You'll get through it. Jesus has gone the way for you. You don't understand it all. It's confusing. You haven't got clarity. But we are living in a new era. 
And so, Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to draw on you and allow the scripture just to speak to us. The verses to tell us the story about a bunch of disciples that haven't quite got it yet, but they're going to get it. Are going to go through the hardest time of their life, but they're going to get through it. And you are leading the way. And thank you that you were so very, very alone so that you, so that I and my friends here may never be alone. We may, we ne you were alone, so I may never be alone. Put that in our hearts, Lord. In our hearts, Lord. Whisper to us and speak to us, Holy Spirit. Give us scriptures to encourage us in our journey and help us to live this life, I ask. In Jesus' name.